Hello, and welcome back to the HSAC Podcast. For those of you that don't know, we are the Harvard College of Sports Analytics Collective, a group of undergraduate students dedicated to the quantitative and statistical analysis of sports. We break down the numbers and advanced metrics behind all your favorite teams and players, trying to bring useful insights to the game. I'm David Arco, a sophomore at Harvard College, and today I'm lucky to be joined by two great guests and fellow HSAC members, Shiv Chandra and Elliot Chin. Shiv is a sophomore studying economics and has written articles ranking the best quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs of the last four decades. He's a fantasy football junkie as well as a Patriots fan. Elliot is a freshman studying statistics and has written articles about running back utilization and efficiency throughout the league, and also has a web app where users can create custom power rankings for NFL teams based on different statistical criteria, and he's a fan of the San Francisco 49ers. On this episode, we will be recapping the opening rounds of the NFL playoffs, which will give us some context heading into the Super Bowl 56 matchup between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. So yeah, I think a good way to recap the playoffs is to kind of go round by round. Obviously, some rounds have more to talk about than others, um, but to kind of give a developing picture of how these teams have played in the playoffs. And yeah, so I think with that, let's start with the wildcard round. This was the NFL's second year expanding the playoffs to a field of seven teams in each conference with just the number one seeds getting a bye, whereas in the past, there would be six teams in each conference with the top two seeds each getting a bye. So we've kind of been seeing this expanded playoffs become adopted more and more in different sports. The MLB experimented in 2020 with the pandemic season expanded their playoffs, and now that's probably one of the main topics of the new CBA is expanding the number of playoff teams. The NHL also had an expanded playoffs, and now the NBA has expanded to the play-in tournament to include 10 teams in each conference in the playoffs. So specifically, as relates to football, what are your guys' thoughts on the expanded playoff? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Obviously, it might be pros and cons, but yeah, what are your thoughts on the 14-team playoff? I think that this year, the expanded playoffs didn't necessarily lead to interesting games, but that doesn't mean that they'll always lead to the type of blowouts that we saw with the Buccaneers and the Eagles um, and the Steelers and the Chiefs that we saw this season. However, even though I believe that teams that just barely squeak into the expanded playoffs, so seven seed teams in other years, could pose a lot more of a threat to the, the teams that are in the, the two-seed position, I don't think that's necessarily a quality argument for the expanded playoffs. And the reason for that is I think it's actually a bad thing if we make the regular season matter less by expanding the playoffs such that teams that are worse in the regular season or even have an even record in the regular season can start to make it into the playoffs. So because of that, I would say I'm not in favor of this expanded playoffs, even though I think this year was, just on the probability perspective, a lot worse than we can expect the expanded playoffs to normally be. So I'm personally going to disagree because I think um, the end of the regular season to start off, I think was pretty electric. Remember that like last day that we were talking about on last pod, which was pretty insane with the Steelers getting in the last game coming down the last possession type stuff. I'm totally here for more of that. And I think that that's just more likely with more playoff spots. I I also agree with Elliot though, on the um, argument that uh, the seven seeds could definitely pose more competition to two seeds in the future. We've seen that like upsets totally happen all the time in the NFL, probably more than any other sport. And like the seven seeds absolutely got bullied by the two seeds this time. But think about it. We were really close to having the chiefs play the chargers 
Herbert Mahomes would have been really, really fun to watch. So I'm, I'm a fan of it. If it means more playoff games and it means more games that lead to playoff implications at the end of the season, I'm here for it. I think I agree with part of what you said. I think that maybe as it's iteration right now, expanding the playoffs, you do get these kind of weaker seven seeds into the playoffs, but we could have had some strong seeds in the seven in that seven seed position as well. So kind of the Steelers were kind of little kind of a weaker seven seed. There could have been a stronger seed had Lamar Jackson been healthy. The Ravens might've been, you know, a stronger seven seed in the NFC. I forget what other teams were on the fringe of the seven in the NFC. Uh, Saints. Saints. Okay. Well, that's not a very good argument. They weren't very good either, but I think right now my issue with the playoff format is the buy. It really creates too much of an advantage for one team. And something like the old system with two buys seems a little better. Something like the NBA with somewhat of a play in. So I was just thinking about it a little before, like if the six, so the way I would structure it is the six and seven seed have a play in game. And then basically you're just returning to your original NFL format with the six teams in the playoffs. So it's the six or seven play in the top two seeds would get a buy. And then those three, four five and the winner of the six and seven would play in the divisional round. And that's kind of like what the NBA has done to kind of, that would kind of weed out like the weaker teams, like the Steelers and like, Oh, they're really a pretender. And a team like the Niners who's really good. They were a good six seed. They'd ideally win that playoff game and be a better competitor in the playoffs. And you get rid of kind of these crappy blowouts where there's a two seed, like the chiefs blowing out a team like the Steelers. So I think more teams is good. It makes the regular season more exciting and creates more fan interest for a lot of teams that are on the fringe. But I think in its iteration right now, might not be, you know, what's the point of fighting for a seven seed like the Steelers if you're going to get destroyed in the first round? So still room for experimentation. Just to push back, like the Saints, Bucks as a, a seven, uh, I think they actually would have been six seed, but like just the Saints in the playoffs with the chance to go against the Bucks, were very beatable Bucks, and they've beat the Bucks twice that season. Like that would have been really, really interesting to see. Chargers, Mahomes, I think like, this season, the very end of the season, didn't lead to the most interesting wildcard matchups, but the whole 17-game season plus the seven playoff games also led to a lot of rematches, which I thought was interesting because there was a lot for us to be able to go back and say, like, what happened last game, what's going to be different this game. I think, like, it adds a lot to, like, the uh, more invested viewer to be like, oh, I saw this game, like, five weeks ago. How is it going to be different now? I think it's a great point that the seventh seed makes the playoffs more exciting. I definitely wouldn't disagree with that. I think the regular season, the end of regular season is still exciting with the sixth seed. For example, instead of the Niners Saints, actually you would still have a conundrum with the Niners Saints and Eagles because the Eagles, if they had won, would have been able to squeak in as the sixth seed. My issue with that is I don't think making the playoffs more exciting is necessarily always a good thing. If that were the case, then we could just have a 32 teams playoffs with a complete like single elimination March Madness bracket. I mean, that's actually kind of why, David, I think your play-in game idea could actually kind of get the best of both worlds because it allows us to have those exciting matchups where you're playing into the playoffs, but it also gives a pretty significant disadvantage to the sixth and seventh teams where you really don't want to be in that position. And it makes this, the regular season matter a whole lot more because beyond that, if we don't have that situation where you're really fighting to be a fifth seed or even to win your division, you get into a situation where the early half of the season can go really badly and the team can still make it into the playoffs and do really well. I guess uh, for that to work, you would have to do a 
basically a bye week for everyone else the week before the playoffs, which could actually be really cool because that could get everyone back healthy, get two weeks of rest before playoffs, like you said, similar to how the NBA does it. Because at first I was thinking that that wouldn't logistically work, but actually it could be really cool to make the playoffs more interesting. Yeah, all interesting things to consider. But I think for now, this format's probably around for a little bit, given that's only two years old, but tweaks can always be made. But yeah, now kind of getting into the specific matchups, we'll kind of go, I think a good way to recap the earlier rounds of the playoffs is to kind of just go round by round. Obviously some some rounds will have more to say than others. But yeah, I think starting with wildcard weekend, just going through the scores. So the AFC, the, the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the number seven seed Pittsburgh Steelers, 42 to 21. The Bills blew out the Patriots, 47 to 17. The Bengals took down the Raiders, 26, 19. And in the NFC, the number two seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Eagles 31 to 15. And the Rams defeated the Cardinals 34 to 11. And the only upset of wildcard weekend seeding wise was the number six seed San Francisco 49ers defeating the Cowboys 23 to 17. So that's just all the scores in case you missed them or forgot. None of these games are that surprising or, in, or super close, super competitive. But I guess a question for you guys is which of these wildcard games was the most interesting to you? Probably going to be a unanimous answer from all of us, but uh, the Cowboys 49ers game with the Cowboys completely uh, botching it at the end with the 14 seconds to snap the ball and all that. It, it was pretty uh, pretty interesting to see the 49ers attempting to throw that game away also, which came back to bite them in the ass later on where they did end up throwing away their game. That, that was the biggest nail-biter, I think, of the weekend. I mean, the, the only other one that was really remotely close was Bengals-Raiders, which was exciting, but uh, nothing too crazy. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. The Niners game was far and away the most exciting. Um, and even that, uh, while it was close, I think it was not necessarily as close as the score indicates. I mean, Dallas never in the second half of the game had a, a likely chance, more than really a small probability of taking the lead back. So I have to agree with that. Niners game, easily most exciting. Bengals Raiders, I think, was actually... Decently exciting in the second half. The Raiders were able to keep it a little close within within a possession, but really couldn't do anything with that. And the rest of the games were just blowouts. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree. I mean, exciting-wise, definitely the Niners-Cowboys. But I think a significant game from that weekend was the Buffalo Bills versus the Patriots. Like the perfect game, I guess. Never Was it never punting or yeah, never punting on an offensive possession? I think that's something that will kind of stand down in, in history, especially – Josh Allen against Bill Belichick, that kind of is, even though it wasn't close, I think that's kind of the, the other takeaway game from the weekend that will stand like historically. That was farthest from perfect for me. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was probably our quicker discussion on wildcard. And now we can kind of move into probably the most exciting divisional round that I can remember in, in history, or maybe that's just recency bias, but um, yeah, just recapping the divisional round. So the Bengals defeated the Titans 19 to 16, pulled off the upset over the number one seed. The 49ers also pulled off their own upset in the NFC, defeating the Packers at Lambeau 13 to 10. The Rams defeated the Buccaneers 30 to 27. After Tom Brady came back from a 27 to 3 deficit, almost giving, you know, kind of that deja vu of that 20 to 3 Super Bowl comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. And then lastly, we had a shootout between arguably the two best offenses in the NFL where the Chiefs defeated the Bills 42 to 36. Obviously everyone will remember the last, you know, 
four or five minutes of that game with the two teams combining for 25 points in the last two minutes. And then that last Patrick Mahomes drive with 13 seconds left to set up the game time field goal. So there were technically three upsets by seeding. So the Bengals over the Titans, the 49ers over the Packers and the Rams over the Buccaneers. So which of these three technical upsets was the most surprising to you? I think just starting off saying how genuinely absurd this weekend was. I mean, this was probably the greatest weekend of football I've ever seen in my life. Maybe the greatest weekend of sports I've ever seen. Actually, yeah, I'm going to say that. The greatest weekend of sports I've ever seen in my life. Totally, probably recency bias, but I don't know. Like, it was four back-to-back-to-back-to-back absolutely absurd games that, like, I know our group chat at least was, like, what the actual heck is happening right now, <laughs> especially the, those last two on Sunday. No, just a absolutely insane divisional weekend for the NFL. But of the three upsets, the most surprising was probably the way that the Rams dominated the Bucks for three quarters of that game. I totally expected Brady and the Bucks to yeah, – I, I thought that was going to be a really close game, but I didn't think that uh, – either team would steamroll the other. And I definitely didn't think the Rams were going to steamroll the Bucks. I think the Rams had just to like really show how much they obliterated the Bucks. And even though it came down to the last second, they had four turnovers. I'm pretty sure all of them were in the four, uh, second half and they still won the game, which is like unheard of. Obviously they were in every way completely destroyed the Bucks, And then, managed to shoot themselves in the foot eight times in like the last 15 minutes of that game. To me, the most surprising upset was actually the Niners over the Packers. Um, and I say that even as a Niners fan, because going into that game, I saw the Packers kind of as this behemoth that would be almost incredibly hard to beat. And that was just because of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, insane turnover stats throughout the regular season, something like 30 to four touchdown interception ratio. And also the fact that the Niners were going to play at Lambeau with the tough conditions that really would give the Packers a huge advantage. And I think it kind of shows in the way that the 49ers won in that the 49ers needed a a special teams touchdown in order to take the lead. And it's when you have those kinds of fluke plays that determine the fate of the game, I think that makes the game a lot more surprising because it's not based on any sort of methodical 49ers out scheming or, or out rushing or out passing the Packers but it's rather a game that hinges upon just a few of these plays which can go either way. And those plays become super exciting, make the ultimate outcome of the game a lot more surprising. Yeah, I think each one of these games had something that was like a statistical anomaly to win. So I think this, the stat people were citing with the Bengals-Titans was Joe Burrow was sacked nine times and they still won that game. I think with the 49ers, you know, holding Aaron Rodgers to or scoring 13 points and still beating Aaron Rodgers. That's probably um, the fact of that game. I guess the Rams, like Shiv said, four turnovers. They were also up 27 to three and almost nearly blew that game. And then, yeah, just the Chiefs-Bills game was probably the most crazy, statistically speaking, with all those points scored in the last two minutes, that 13-second drive, and yeah, all that just back and forth. So I guess all these games featured statistical anomalies for the winners and like, Odds defying, I guess, feats. So that's kind of what made it particularly a unique divisional round. Yeah, I would just add that, like, especially like David said, that first day, I think there was combined the winning teams, which were the Bengals and the 49ers, had a combined something like 15 sacks 
on their own quarterback and still lost the game uh, and still and still won the game, which is so improbable. But I, I think to push back on Elliot just a little bit, I obviously two fluke plays, one the missed field goal and the block punt for the touchdown, which obviously led the 49ers to win. I don't think there was any way that they won without that. But on the other hand, they also held Aaron Rodgers to no passing touchdowns. And outside of Aaron Jones and Devonta Adams, there were two passes completed to other receivers. So the 49ers also did really manage to shut down an offense that was a pretty well-oiled machine the whole, the whole season. So I, I think it was a, a testament to the 49ers defense in those conditions also and special teams to keep them in that game while their uh, offense wasn't doing all that much. Yeah, that's a great point. It was honestly surprising to me that Aaron Rodgers wasn't able to stick to his true form in the types of conditions that we saw that Saturday. If I recall correctly, Aaron Jones had, I think, a 100-plus yard game. They had a very potent ground attack. And if Aaron Rodgers had just kind of had like a decent game against a 49er secondary, which is all not that fantastic, I think the Packers would have easily won. But it's surprising to me that it seemed like the conditions and the pressure, I guess, of going to another NFC championship game just got to him and the 49ers were able to stop him. Yeah, these are all good points. I think that kind of you can move now into talking about the championship Sunday. So similar to the divisional round, I think the AFC and NFC championship also uh, delivered an exciting pair of games. So in the AFC, we had the Bengals led by Joe Burrow. They came back from 21 to three that I think this yeah, score was 21 to three just before halftime. And then they defeated the chiefs 27 to 24 in overtime heading the Super Bowl. The Bengals kicker, Evan McPherson has set the record for most field goals in a playoffs without a miss a perfect 12 for 12. And on the NFC side, the Rams defeated the 49ers 20 to 17 breaking their six-game losing streak against their division rivals uh, from Northern California. And then similar to Joe Burrow, but not quite on the same scale, Matthew Stafford also engineered a comeback as the Rams trailed by 10 in the fourth quarter. So both of these games featured comebacks from the Bengals and from the Rams. The common perception when it comes to comebacks is that the team that came back, did they win it? Or did the team that held the lead, did they lose it? Now, it's probably a mix of both, but typically people tend to lean it's one or the other. So I guess for these two games, did the Chiefs lose it against the Bengals or did the Bengals win it? And for the Rams and 49ers, did the Rams win the game or did the 49ers lose it? I think both the Chiefs and the 49ers lost it. On the Chiefs side, I think it's pretty clear. Patrick Mahomes is just not playing like himself. He's throwing, he threw the pick in overtime and and they were were unable to convert, I believe, two red zone possessions um, into touchdowns. And that's the type of thing you come to expect from the Chiefs. So even if it wasn't necessarily um, an absolutely horrible game, uh, all things considered relative to the NFL standard, it's not certainly not what you expect from Patrick Mahomes. And that leads me to believe that the Chiefs lost it. Bengals were certainly playing well, but I don't think they could have beaten a Chiefs offense that was playing for like its December self rather than its October self. For Rams 49ers, I think the 49ers also lost it. And this isn't necessarily just because it's another fourth quarter Shanahan lead. But the 49ers definitely had multiple opportunities to maintain their lead, first with the Jimmy Ward dropped interception, then with multiple three and outs throughout the latter half of the game, and then with that final game ending interception. And I think because of those opportunities, to me, it's pretty clear that the 49ers lost the game. I don't think Matthew Stafford or the Rams were really playing lights out at all. I mean, Matthew Stafford threw that almost interception to Jimmy Ward. 
And I really credit a breakdown of the 49ers offense more so than some offensive genius on the Rams side for the Rams ultimately prevailing. Yeah, I, uh, I have to agree with Elliot on both of these. I think especially the Chiefs, like all-time collapse by the Chiefs. There's so many stats about like teams that were up 18-0 to at, at any point in a game and in, in a championship game. Mahomes is, I don't think, has ever lost a game being up 18. All of those things. But like from Mahomes to Andy Reid to Eric Bieniemy, I mean, just the entire team just completely fell apart. I mean, I haven't seen Mahomes that in like shambles ever, really. Um, and especially it was such a stark contrast to last week when the chips were on the table. He was just literally like, it was like, okay, there's nothing you can do to stop this guy. And then this past weekend, it was like, he could basically do nothing right. It was crazy. I would say Chiefs definitely lost it as well as the Bengals did play, which they really did. I mean, they played really, really great down the stretch, but they had no chance of winning that game if the Chiefs just managed the game well. And same goes for 49ers, slightly to a less degree than the Chiefs. But if the 49ers had managed that game well, Shanahan managed that game well, if Jimmy G managed that game well, they aren't in the position that they are towards the end of the game where they have to go win the game. Definitely less so than the Chiefs. Maybe it's just because I've become accustomed to Shanahan losing leads in the fourth willy-nilly left, right, and center the past few years. I think the Chiefs was really like one of the more historic meltdowns I've ever seen. I think Shib brought up an interesting point about Mahomes. You know, I think it was like the largest split in quarterback rating between two halves. And I think it was like a 98 and then like something in like in the single digits. I think it was 113 and zero. It, it was insane. I mean, yeah, that's like a crazy, and from Mahomes, you don't expect that. And that begs the question, do, I mean, some, maybe some players like to play down. Some players like to, I mean, this is something you could study, probably do some research and see what are like just different quarterback splits when they're up, when they're down and see what it is. But part of my speculation is that when quarterbacks are up, then that transitions to more, more of a run game. They, can't get as good stats, but then when they're down, they pass a lot more. They have the opportunity to kind of rack up more stats. So that's one theory, but they talk about this idea. It comes from basketball things like the idea of the boomerang or the rubber band effect. So when the score gets wider and wider between two teams, it tends to come back together. So I guess, I don't know if it's been studied as much in football. It's probably not as strong of a degree in basketball as it is in basketball, where you kind of rest your starters and things like that. But as the league gets bigger and bigger, then there's kind of a shrinkage and the opposing team comes back. So a team should never want to be losing and, and playing down, but maybe there is some, you know, some way to harness the extra power from, from being down. That doesn't really sound uh, smart, but just throwing ideas out there. But yeah. Uh, I just pulled up the actual numbers just because I wanted to have them right. It was um, Mahomes in the first half. Uh, his quarterback rating was a hundred and forty nine point nine, which is like out of uh, I think it what is it one hundred and fifty three point eight, and then in the second half it was thirty four, and then in the overtime it was zero, and then his QBR was went from ninety eight in the first half to one point four in the second half. You were right. Yeah, that's pretty. Um... Drastic. I mean, this shouldn't change the narrative, I, I think, because it's just, it's just literally one half of football. The only thing I would say is this does show 
that nobody's catching Tom Brady for goat anytime soon because Brady has never, ever had a collapse the same way that Mahomes and Rodgers both did in their playoffs, in like multiple playoffs back-to-back in a row. I think it's also a testament to one of Brady's strengths, which is that he's a relatively low-variance player just due to the nature of his game. If we compare that with someone like Mahomes, obviously Mahomes had, I mean, some sort of collapse that goes beyond natural variance in the second half of the Bengals game. He probably also got just unlucky um, with the way he normally plays. For example, the way he extends plays and, and scrambles, gets out of the pocket. That method of playing can lead to really fantastic results. It can also lead to large sacks or even fumbles, as we saw at the end of the regulation in the Chiefs-Bengals game. And because of that, the way Mahomes plays, even, for example, even if he's playing at the same level as Brady is, even if he was doing that, the fact that he has more variance just means that it's harder for him to consistently do that throughout the playoffs. Even if he has higher highs, then he's going to have much lower lows. And this is all coming in the eve of Tom Brady's now official retirement today. But yeah, I think that leads us to kind of our last question for this recap portion talking about these star players. So for the last, this is kind of a quicker one, but you know, the first three rounds of the playoffs, it can be a team that's already eliminated. It can be um, a player that's still in it. Who would be your MVP of the playoffs? For me, it's definitely Cooper cup. I think neither Stafford nor Burrow nor really any of the other quarterbacks made a compelling case for MVP cup has just been consistently putting up insane numbers. He's had, I believe four touchdowns throughout the course of the playoff and is averaging well over 100 yards per game. And I think he's the whole reason the Rams are making it to the Super Bowl. So because of that, I think he's easily the most valuable player in playoffs. And without him, the Rams would probably be eliminated even in the first or second round. Completely agree. I I also wrote Gotta Be Cup. He's been like the most consistent out of any player these playoffs. I mean, it feels like you can book him for 10 catches, 150 yards, two touchdowns every single game. So there's that, but I think a uh, just a little flyer, a little sleeper for MVP, which David mentioned earlier, was Evan McPherson, kicker for Definitely. the best shooter McPherson. That dude is so, so high. Rookie, just doing insane things. He right now has 12 field goals. David mentioned he made all 12 of them in the past two rounds, sent the team to the next round, and – if he kicks two more field goals in the Super Bowl, he will tie Adam Vinatieri's record for most field goals made in the playoffs. And if he makes a third, then he'll break that record as a rookie, uh, which would just be like insane. That's a good point. I think I, I saw like a stat like EPA measures, you know, I think he's accumulated like the most EPA for a kicker in any playoffs. It measures, you know, EPA is like how many expected points added so it takes into account like both the distance that he's kicking from and also like the timing of the situation so a lot of his epa has come from these late end game clutch situations like a 50 plus yard or in the case that he misses it he's turning the ball over to the other team with some time left in a good field position but if he makes it it's over so there's lots of points kind of riding on that situation so i definitely think that even though he's a kicker there's still a statistical case that he could be the most valuable player for the Bengals. I think he also, um, if I remember correctly, has 40 points scored this playoffs, which is the most points scored going into a Super Bowl of any player ever. Wow. But but yeah, I think before we wrap up our playoff kind of recap, we can revisit our survivor 
draft pool standings and because now they're they're not officially done yet but actually we do have an officially clinched winner but the point totals are not finished yet so just to kind of recap so in third place we have elliot he selected the titans the bills the cowboys and the raiders and if you don't remember the scoring system it's one point for every round and buys also count so elliot's two points come from the titans one buy and the Bills uh, winning the divisional round. So he has a total of two. I came in second with only a total of three points. I selected the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the Patriots, and the Cardinals. And my three points come from the Buccaneers winning the first round and the Chiefs winning two rounds. And then miles ahead, we have Shiv in first place who kind of hit it out of the park with nine points. He selected the Packers, the Rams, the Bengals, and the 49ers. So he had... Of the four teams in the conference championships, he had three. He also had the Packers. So, and he has he has the Rams and the Bengals, the two teams in the Super Bowl. So, congrats, you! You did a pretty good job. Thank you, thank you. If only I had, uh, if I only had picked the Chiefs first instead of the Packers, that really would have been the clean sweep. But uh, I, I totally did not believe in the Bengals this much. I think just seeing like the way that the Bengals ended the season, it just seemed like they had the confidence and they had they had beaten the Chiefs. It seemed like they weren't one of those teams who I feel like, like the Raiders were just happy to be there. Like the Steelers were just happy to be there. Like the Eagles, the Bengals and the 49ers both really seem like, even though they were kind of on the outside looking in, they, they really had a chance to go. Yeah. Well, congrats. Yeah. You, you nailed it. Good job. But yeah, I think that should wrap up our playoff recap episode. We had a pretty thorough discussion talking about you know the new our thoughts on the new the expanded playoff format talking about the different rounds of the playoffs going you know wild card weekend divisional round conference championship giving our thoughts on some of the exciting games some of the you know key players our mvp so far and yeah that should give us some nice context heading into our super bowl preview episode so be on the lookout for that in the next coming days Reminder, you can check out Shift's articles and Elliot's articles and web app on our blog at harvardsportsanalysis.org and follow us on Twitter at Harvard underscore sports. Thanks for listening.